What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Field Stormers. As always, I am your host, Mo Murphy, with my co-host, Walker Bailey. Walker, what's going on, bro? Not much, man. Just going to wrap the season up and kind of get started and get ready for the offseason. It was uh, Monday was a dud. Monday was a dud. But we're looking at a dynasty. So that's kind of cool. You have to appreciate those things when they happen. Yeah, 100%. So we'll just jump straight into it. Obviously, the national championship, the season is over. The national championship happened. Um, Wasn't much of a game. You know, the score was, well, it wasn't a game. For about five to six minutes, it was. There was a possibility. You thought, uh uh-oh, you know, when it was 10 to 7, and like, okay, they started marching. Once they threw that interception, went down 17 to 7 and didn't respond, I was like, okay, game over. Here we go. Um, But it it finished 65 to 7. Outside of Joe Burrow, probably the best national championship performance by a quarterback in Stetson Bennett uh, to cap off really a under, what, what do you want to say, an underappreciated season by Stetson Bennett? An uh, underappreciated career, really, when you think about it. Like, I mean, he won back-to-back national titles, and in his last 30 starts, he went 29-1. and won. Yeah, and even to, here's my thing with that is, you'll point to, did he play great every game in that stretch? No, but... Like you and me have talked about in every big game where Stetson Bennett needed the ball for the past two years, every big game, point me to one that it, where I'd be lying. He showed up and showed out in literally every big game. He played good against Michigan, but he didn't need to. He wasn't asked to. He was early, got the play, made the plays, and then they ran the ball and just dominated Michigan. Played great against Alabama this year, answered the call against Tennessee. Uh, he didn't play the greatest against Ohio State the whole game, but he answered the call in the fourth quarter. When you needed him to show up, LSU, they put up, what, 50-plus points. He played elite against LSU. Like, every big game that you needed Stetson Bennett for the past two years to show up and show out, he did. And so it's underappreciated because – and here's my problem. Small rant. Walker, I've told this to you countless times. And when it comes to college sports – and it's no offense to the guys. Draft guys and NFL guys ruin the enjoyment of college sports. And the reason why is because you can't just watch a guy and just know that, man, maybe he's just a good college quarterback. Pointing Jordan Travis for Florida State real quick. Maybe he doesn't go to the NFL. Maybe he doesn't do jack thing in the NFL. Maybe he doesn't get drafted. But you can't tell me that wasn't a hell of a quarterback to watch this year at Florida State. So it's when the NFL guys that are like really strictly NFL or when they're strictly focused on the draft and they come in and they try and tell you what they think about them at the next level. And then that translates to some of the, I'll say casual because guys like you and me and Zach McKinnell from the blue butts, like, bro, we, we genuinely enjoy college football. We know what the hell we're watching. And when we watch on Saturdays, we're not thinking about Sunday. Like you, you have those conversations, but you're not thinking about it. Like you're not, you don't care if Stetson Bennett does anything in the NFL. You know, he's been great at the college level. And so it gets to ruin it because then this narrative becomes about Stetson Bennett. Well, then you can always, well, he won't do anything in the NFL. Well, he won't. And that becomes the focus. And that's a problem for me because now this guy, a two time back to back national champ who's answered the call in every game that he needed to essentially has been underappreciated. The journey that he's had to take, and I know he's an older quarterback, I understand that, but the journey he's had to take, the grind he's had to do, the never give up, like this is like an example to all kids of like never give up on your dreams. You do, you go the way he was a walk-on, went to JUCO, this and that. It ends up a back-to-back national champion who will get drafted, 
where? Don't know. Don't care. Not talking about that right now. But oh, he will get drafted. He, to- I I really look forward to his fifteen year career with the Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, with the with the way the roster is, it seems like that's who they would take right about now. Probably. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he just he was a serial winner. I told you that kind of and during the regular season, it was just like every single time it feels like they're kind of on the ropes and they're kind of at risk and it just feels like he takes the ball and it's like, it's all right, I got you. And then he finds a way to win, you know, Ohio state with, I guess it was like a minute 57 left and he gets the ball and has to go 96. And like, not only do they march and score, but they march and score in like less than a minute. And like the touchdown and like he threw the touchdown before the receiver was even out of his break, like, and was even looking for the ball and put it like right on the back pylon for a touchdown. Um, just a serial winner, like a guy who every single time he had to take the ball and win a big game, he did. He didn't mess around and wait against TCU. Um, they just kind of, he broke that first touchdown run. And after that, it was just off to the races. They had no answers. Uh, you just saw the talent differential on display. I mean, it was, let's, that's just kind of cut and dry. Um, you know, it stink, it does stink for the majority of college football. You would have liked to see the underdog be competitive in that spot. But, you know, Georgia, I think, like, I think Georgia's the storyline coming out of that. Like, we've done a lot of the, oh, you know, CEC, TCU didn't belong here, this, that, and the other. Um, I don't really think that that's the story. I mean, if that's if that's the story, then Michigan didn't belong either. And nobody's going to tell you that. Because they went undefeated in a Power 5 league, won their conference championship, and they deserved to be there. And TCU beat them. Like, I mean, that's just the reality. So, you know, I just think on that night, that Monday night, the way Georgia played, there wasn't a team in the sport that could have been competitive. You know, if Michigan beats TCU in plays, then maybe they get beat 52-17 to 17 instead of 65-7. to 7. Mm-hmm. But it's still, it's still a blowout. Like, it's still not close. Like, nobody, like nobody was keeping up with Georgia on that night. I mean, it, Kirby said it best, like, they played with aggression. They played pissed off. Like they were pissed at the world on mm-hmm. Monday night, like almost at themselves, like looking inward. Like, how did we like, like not even a shot at Ohio state. It's like, how did we like, how did we get down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter last week? Like that's unacceptable. And so they just like, they played their a plus game and TCU played a D minus game. And in what was already going to be a monumental mountain to climb for TCU, like, when you play that bad and then they come out with their hair on fire, that's what happens. That's what happens. And like, I mean, that's what happens all across, even in the regular season. When you get your shot at these blue bloods and these dynastic type programs and you played terrible, this is what happens. Yeah. And so since you brought it up, all right, I'm going to address this because this, it, it has me hot. So I hope everybody's listening. Listen, for anybody to say that TCU didn't belong, shut the F up. They made it to the national championship. I would give you some substance if they had faced Georgia in the semifinal and got blown out that same way. Now you got some substance, but they climbed part of the ladder to compete and play in the national championship. You cannot tell me when you make it to the national championship, now that you have to play a game to get in, that you don't deserve to be there. And Walker, this is no diss to you, because this wasn't coming from you, but you SEC fans are weird. And here's why I say you're weird. Because 
You guys are Gators fans. You guys are, are Auburn fans. You guys are uh, LSU fans. And y'all are jumping on Bama's nuts trying to tell me why Bama deserved to be in here. And this is why it's not a shot at you, Walker, because you are on the side. There was no argument for Bama to get in. So, but you're jumping. It's so weird how the SEC is the one conference where they celebrate as if they won the national championship. That shit pisses me off. Georgia won. The only people that should be happy are Georgia fans. They did not win it. This is not hoisting this. We did this for the SEC. They did it for Georgia. They did it for Kirby Smart. And they did it for the players and the fans of the University of Georgia. And I'll tell you like this. If you talk to Big Ten fans, I promise, ACC fans, anybody else, I swear to God, they will not, if Michigan was playing in the national championship against Georgia, Ohio State will want to watch Michigan get pummeled the same way they did against Georgia last year. Like <clears throat> you as an Ohio State fan. Yes, we didn't make it. We'll, we'll say it in the shadows. We won't go all on Twitter and say, ah, Michigan, because they beat us. But at the same time, there was no world where we'll root for Michigan. There's no world where, especially speaking from Ohio State fan, there's no world where you will get me to say, I want Penn State to win the national championship. No, the hell I don't. But it, it's only in the SEC. The, 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 I, I, and, and Walker, you know this to be true. Even if it's not you, you know the group. When the SEC wins, they'd be like, see, look at this. The SEC has won, what, 13 of the last seven, four, 13 or 14 of the last 17 national championships. And everybody prides that on SEC. Three SEC teams have won in that span, though. Alabama. Well, it's more than three. It's four, more four, than three. But yeah. well, Auburn. Auburn. I, is it five? Yeah, Who's the, it's the last 17. That goes back to 2005, which means Florida. Oh, Florida. Okay. So, but in that span, even since we're taking claim on that, Florida hasn't won since it's what, 08? Yeah. It was, like, so it was Florida, it was Florida, Auburn, LSU, Georgia, and Alabama. And Bama. Yeah, okay. I, I was thinking just the past, like, college football playoff and a couple of years before that. Um, but you're going to, so, and then SEC fans, but Ohio state ain't won nothing, but then like, you're not a fan of Bama. You're not a fan of Georgia. Like we got a national championship more recent than anybody, but Bama, Georgia and LSU. So I don't understand the whole taking pride as a conference for a team in your conference that you hate the week you play them. And then you're like, oh yeah, but they won. Look at the high and mighty SEC. And then you tell me that TCU didn't deserve to be there. After beating the undefeated Big Ten champs, which year in and year out, even if there's a gap between the SEC and Big Ten, the Big Ten year in and year out is the second best conference in football, period, point blank. It's not up for discussion. The ACC is never better. Now, you could say this year, down year for the Big Ten, still had three teams in the top ten, but in the Big 12 ended up falling off. But year in and year out, the Big Ten is the second best conference. Yes, there's a gap between the Big Ten and the SEC. That's fine. But there's also a gap between the Big Ten and everybody else. The, the, the Pac-12, the Big 12, and, and the ACC, are, you can argue with them three, but it's SEC, Big Gap, Big 10, Big Gap, the other three Power 5 conferences. So I, I hate when the SEC acts like they won the national championship. No, Georgia did. And then other teams, and y'all know who I'm talking about, especially y'all folks back home, you little Florida Gators fans, and, and y'all, y'all know who I'm talking about. Oh, Bama should have been in. You're not even a Bama fan. I know you. I know you in real life. You root for the Gators. You won blue and orange. You bled blue and orange since I've known you since we were young. 
And it pisses me off that you ride the coattails of other SEC when your team hasn't done nothing, but all you do is pitch why your team could be good in another conference when conference is based on location right now and nobody can help that they're in their conferences based on location. Sorry, Walker, that that, that crap just pisses me off, especially well, trying to tell me that. thing is so weird, yeah. too, because, like, the argument from people is like, well, you know, like, Alabama only lost two games by one possession, like, to top ten teams. It's like, yeah, well, you know what? So did, like, 20 other teams. Like, so did a bunch of other people. Like, there were – I think I saw the stat. Like, there were, like, 20 – either 20 or 24 teams that won 10 or more games. And – Alabama people are like, well, if you just change this one play, like, or change these two plays, and I was like, I can do that for 15 other teams. Does that mean that they deserve to go to the playoffs? Like, do they deserve to go to the playoffs because they can change one play and they're 11-1? and one? The thing with Alabama that I can't do for these other 10-win teams, I can change one or two plays, and I can make you 8-4. and four. Yeah. I can complete – I can, I, can, I, can I can, like, I can complete a pass in Oxford, Mississippi from the 15-yard line like with a minute left in the game and you lose 31 to 30, I can complete a pass from the two in Tuscaloosa with Jimbo Fisher in them. And you haven't, and you suffer an embarrassing loss to Texas A&M. So like, I don't want to hear like the whole, I can do that. Like, Oh, you know, just these close one possession losses. Well, you know what? You also had narrow one possession wins. That's just the sport. That's how it goes. If you wanted to go to the college football playoff, then win. You don't get to go. You don't get a brand bonus. Like you don't get to go because you have Alabama on your helmet. Like no, you went ten and two. You didn't even like a four loss team played for the SEC championship. You couldn't even get there ahead of them because you lost to them. Like, and it wasn't even a super good SEC LSU team. Like that LSU team wasn't that good. Like if you wanted to go, you should have gone to Baton Rouge, beat LSU as a fourteen point favorite, and then won the SEC championship and gone and played in the playoff. But you didn't. You didn't. And, you didn't win the games. And my problem is this, is everybody's hollering about Bama. And are they even the two? And, and I know where people will go with this on why they would pick them up. But are they even the two-loss team that deserved to get in if we were going to take a two-loss team? Because yeah. what about Tennessee? Only because, because Tennessee Hooker got hurt. I understand that. You have to, but like that's always like they've always said, like you have to take injuries into account. Like when you lose that guy, it's just like that Tennessee team. And I know they beat Clemson and drilled Clemson, but like that's hindsight's twenty twenty on that. Sitting in the playoff meeting, and I guess it's on like December the seventh or whatever the day after conference championships, you would have been like, okay, Tennessee is definitely, definitely worse without Hendon Hooker. Right, so, but, what, but what I'm saying is, what what I'm saying is like that's the only reason you could even beat your chest is because Hendon Hooker got hurt. Like, right. don't make it like you were the best tenant. Don't make it like you were the best two loss team. Yes, you were because he got hurt, but that's the only reason you can even try and beat your chest as a two loss team. Hendon Hooker don't go down. Yes, they lose to South Carolina. Regardless, he got hurt late. When I told you, I messaged you and said, why is Hendon Hooker playing? Only thing that can happen is he gets hurt. And then what happened? Walker on the drive where he comes back in. He got he tore his ACL. And I was like, damn, I literally just said this to Walker. Like, the only thing that could happen is he could get hurt. It's a blowout. The game's over. Let it ride and, and figure it out. Anything could happen from here on out, but let it ride. But what I'm saying is like, bro, the, the injury kind of gets you to be able to beat your chest and be like, we got Bryce Young. And then don't tell me the win over Kansas State is the reason why you should have been in the playoffs over any of these teams. Ohio State lost 42-41, to 41, a missed field goal. Bama did not deserve to get in and play that game over Ohio State. I don't think Bama wins the game. 
Like, I don't think Bama beats Georgia regardless. Ohio State lost by one. You can't tell me Ohio State didn't deserve to be there. When they when it was time to show up on the field, you can give me every factor you want. At the end of the day, the final score is 42-41. A football game does not get any closer than losing by one point. Period. Point blank. And then you can't tell me. You can tell me Michigan didn't deserve to get in. But once you said hindsight 2020, like Michigan lost to that team. But yes, they were undefeated Big Ten champs. No way they don't get in. TCU lost in the in the Big 12 championship, understandable. Still finished the regular season undefeated. Still was one of the four best teams. Like, this is the one time, one of the very few times, where I feel like the committee got it right. They put the four best teams in there. TCU had to win to get to the national championship. They did that. They beat a team while they were the underdogs. You can't tell me just because you got smacked by Georgia that you didn't deserve to get in because you got smacked in the national championship. You had to win a semifinal game to get there. Had Georgia beat TCU like that in the semifinal, maybe there's substance for conversation. I still would have said if they would have put Ohio State 3 and TCU 4, I still would have felt like they, they got the four best teams in there. Now, if you think the one through four wasn't right, I'm cool with that. But I still would have said, if as long as Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU got in, the four best teams are in there based on resume and everything like that. And maybe TCU would have got a fair shake and the noise would have been louder. But don't tell me, don't, don't tell me that TCU didn't deserve to be there when they got to the national championship. This isn't the BCS era where they picked TCU to go in and then all the other bowl games happened and then that happened. You had to win a game to get to that point, and they did that. And people act like blowouts never happened in the BCS. Like that's and that's why like the four team playoff people, like they're like, well, it's just like you know, there's so many blowouts. It's like, do you not remember when Alabama and Notre Dame lined up less than a decade ago, and that final was like 42 to 14, like wasn't competitive at all in the BCS, or like when we lined up, like I think Oklahoma beat someone 55 to 19 or something like that back in the early 2000s, like. Shit happens all the time, no matter what. Like, there's going to be blowouts. It's because it's 18 to 22-year-old young men, and it's impossible to handicap how they're going to, like, emotionally fare in environments on a week-to-week basis. I mean, there's just no way to know. Like, you can try to rid yourself of the blowouts, but, like, the four-team playoff, like, it, for the first time, you got two really, really great semifinal games, and, yeah, like, the national championship was a blowout. Not the first time it ha- has, it's happened and not the last time it's going to happen. Like, that's just how it goes. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't move to 12 teams just because there was a blowout. There were blowouts in the BCS. There have been blowouts in the four team. There will be blowouts in the 12 team. Like, that doesn't change the fact that the 12 team playoff is the best direction for the sport. There's blowouts in the regular season when teams are top 10 teams play each other and one team is just. Nobody said a word. Nobody said a word about, you know, the lack of quality football or the lack of quality good teams when Michigan beat Penn State 41 to 17. Nobody cared. It was just what happened. And, like, that's – I don't know why – the postseason gets the most eyes, and so that's why people act, like, act different about it. But the reality is there were not – like, there weren't teams that could beat Georgia. Like, I mean, just Georgia was what they were. Like, Ohio, Ohio State probably played their best game of the season. They and did. They and missed, and just missed – and they missed a kick. Like, it, like, it happened. But, that, I mean – Georgia won the game and then they turned around and played their A plus game against TCU and blew them out. Like, that's just how it goes. Like, that's just how this sport is. Like, there's always going to be blowouts. These aren't professionals. They're human beings. They're kids. There's going to be blowouts. It goes back. It goes back to me with the, it's the NFL guys. Like when you're so far gone NFL in the playoffs, typically like we don't in the NFL playoffs, 
there aren't just a bunch of blowouts, right? Like, like you see them. Somebody might get blown out this weekend uh, for the NFL playoffs. But when it comes to NFL, like when, when the best teams are playing against each other, it's typically not, you don't expect a ton of blowouts for the most part. So they take one blowout and make it add substance. But then it's like, you don't even really like college football for real. Like, you ain't sitting there watching college football all day on Saturday. You're you're focused on the NFL. It's the people who live in the big cities and they don't like actually, and I'm not even saying you have to go to games, but it's just like the people who don't really live in a college football world, like where you live and kind of appreciate those things and you care about that more than you care about the NFL. Like, you know, if you are in, if you're in a big city and you watch a lot of NFL and your city is an NFL town and all that stuff, and that's just what you're accustomed to. There's nothing wrong with that, but so many people want college football to become like NFL light where it's basically just the same quality of competition and the same quality of product at the college level, like just, you know, at a younger level. And that's just never going to happen. Like that's never going to, there's not enough, there's not enough talent across the country to build enough good teams like that. There's just not like, you can't have, there's never going to be like 30, 85 man rosters that are just stacked with talent top to bottom. That's just not going to happen. There's not going to be, 35 teams or 30 teams with one through 40 stacked with talent. Like that's just, it's always been an eight to 12 team sport where you have eight to 12 really, really good teams year in and year out. And even still team one is capable of blowing out team eight or team four or team 12 any day of the week. Like that is always something that can happen. You play the games on, on the field so that team 12 has a shot to beat team one or team six or whoever else. And a lot of times they do. I mean, it's just that's how the sport goes. And so there's a lot of people that will do the Alabama thing. There's a lot of people that say this is why the playoff doesn't need to expand. I would argue that this is why the playoff does need to expand. Like the Alabama people, if we had had an expanded playoff, they wouldn't have anything to complain about. Because, like, then we would have played we would have played the games. Like, Alabama would have gotten their shot. They would have gotten to play their way through that thing and see – and would have gotten to see where they ended up. Like – that's something that they would have had the opportunity to do. Like Tennessee would have gotten a shot to play their way through the thing with Joe Milton and see like, okay, like maybe we'll find out if how big the step down is. Like, can they compete at a high level without Hendon Hooker? Like those are the types of things we would have gotten answers to with the 12 team that with the four team, we just didn't like we didn't. And that's why the, and I know that like, oh, well then it'll become, you know, team 13 didn't get in and team 12 did. Well, the realistic thing is team 12 is not often going to win the national title like team five and a four team could have won the national title. Like Alabama could have won a national title or at least been competitive for one. Like, and I'm not going to hear arguments otherwise. Like they had arguably the best offensive player in college football and arguably the best defensive player in college football. Like they had arguably the best player on the ball or on both sides of the ball in the sport. And so, no, they shouldn't have gotten in. But if you think in a 12-team, they wouldn't have been competitive. Like, that's crazy. Like, that, like for sure, they would have been competitive. With anybody oh, they easily play. would have been competitive, 100%. Yeah, like, and they – and so that's why – that's why – I mean, that's the prime example of why the 12-team needs to happen because we can't continue to punish teams for two one-possession losses, especially not when it's like, okay, you went on the road and lost to what ended up being a top-five – to 10 Tennessee team in front of 105,000 people in raucous Neyland and you lost on because you missed a kick and they made a kick. Like that's the reality of what happened. 
and then you lose on literally a singular play in, on, in overtime in front of 105,000 people in Baton Rouge because they go for two and you kick the extra point and they get the two. Like, those are the type – that's why we need the 12 team because those are the types of millimeter, the small plays that determine seasons now. And so we need more teams. Like, we need more teams playing meaningful football at the end of the year because the margins between between, between teams four and 12 is so small. And so we just need to see – we need to give those teams the ability to play it out on the field instead of having these, you know, subjective debates in conference rooms and fancy hotels and trying to decide who's better based on metrics. Like, that's not something we should do. So that's my argument for playoff expansion today because a lot of people like are like, well, you know, see, there's never actually four teams that are that good. Maybe not. Maybe not. But, I mean, does that mean we just go – I mean, the BCS had blowouts too. Like, play it out on the field, get more games on campus, and have more teams play more meaningful college football. It'll make the regular season more meaningful in the long haul because, you know, I'll use Ole Miss as an example. It's close to home. Like, Ole Miss goes on the road and loses to Alabama in, in 2023 and loses on the road to Georgia in 2023. It's over. Like, that's it. They're done. And in reality, those are going to be two of the five best teams in college football next year. Like, there needs to be a world where when you have schedules like that, and there will be teams in the Big Ten or that way too, where they'll have to go on the road to Michigan and on the road to Ohio State. And it's like, so you're telling me my season's over because I lost to those two teams in those two places? Yeah, like, who could be two of the top five teams in the to Exactly. The two the like, that's why, and so that's why, like, if you told – like, I mean, use Penn State, for example. They went 11-2, and two, won the Rose Bowl. Their losses were on the road to Michigan and at home against Ohio State. You're telling me that team wouldn't have competed in a 12 team playoff? And the Ohio State game was close. Like and they, that was, were, they that were on game. the road. They were on the road. They played Michigan and uh, Ohio State on the road. Oh, so even better. Like I thought that I thought that was a whiteout game. No, but. we played because we played Penn State. Because I was surprised that that game was during the day. Because I figured we usually do the blackout. Um. But no, because we play Penn State on the road next year. Okay, so even better. Like, they lost on the road at Michigan and on the road at Ohio State. Like, what? And you're telling me that team wouldn't have been competitive in a 12-team playoff? They won every other game they played. And they were competitive in Columbus. Like, they were competitive. I think, yeah, I mean, I don't, remember what the, I don't remember what the final score was, but I think it was like a, what, 7-10 to 10 point final? Like No, it was like almost 20. But remember, they were competitive for three and a half quarters, and that was when Ohio State played their best six minutes of football. Oh, that's right. I do remember that now. Yeah. I'm going back to find the final score now. 44-31. It was 13. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, they were competitive for they were competitive for large parts of that game. And you're telling me that if they would have gotten a a road game against whoever like the eighth best team in the country was that year, that they wouldn't have gone and had had a chance to win a game. And also like they're a brand, like in the they're a massive brand. Like, the, we're leaving massive brands out of the playoff for the sake of just, like, subjective arguments. And the, the four-team was always a mistake. Like, the 12-team is going to be great. I'm excited for it. I think this year proved why we need it. I don't Like, I think the argument for the four-team is dead. Yeah, and on top of that, real quick, for the four-team – or for the 12-team is, like, a loss. Your first loss in week six doesn't make you sweat your balls off. You know what I'm saying for the rest of the season and be like, oh, my season could possibly be over in week six. Like, even if we went out because of the strength of what you you're watching, what other teams do, where you're like, okay, I lost. Hey, take it on the chin. Went out, 
Maybe we can afford another loss. Now, if you got two losses by week eight or nine, you're shaking in your boots a little bit, can't afford to look. Then you're looking at everybody else, but you're still way out of it with two. But it's lose week six. You're almost looking and you're like, bro, we got to hope that somebody else falters. Instead of focusing on what we got to focus on, we got to hope that somebody else screws up for us to get in. And it's like, even if we finish as one loss team or we make it to the conference championship, get our second loss, like you're not going to tell me that that team didn't deserve to get in. Like, like, bro, with the 12 teams, like just imagine the top four seeds get the bye week or whatever, but then you got, you got Bama, you got Tennessee, uh, uh, you got, um, um, USC, Possibly Utah. Utah would have been in there because they had won the conference championship. You got Kansas State. Um, and, and then a couple other teams. Probably Clemson gets in there. Uh, maybe LSU slides in. I mean, they're getting their fourth loss. I don't think so, but we would have you know, gotten to see that. We would have gotten to see that Tulane team in there. Like, yeah, Tulane gets in there and, and Tulane ended up beating USC. So maybe Tulane has to play Alabama and gets the doors beat off of them. Maybe that happens, but I mean, you get a matchup. Maybe Oregon slides in there. Washington had a, had an opportunity. Like maybe Washington slides in there, and you're like, these are good teams. And maybe okay, Bama plays Tulane blowout, possibly. But Tennessee versus Washington, you know, uh, 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 God, I can't think right now. Like Penn like, State versus like Utah. Penn State versus Utah, except this time it's in Happy Valley and it's a whiteout, like on. Yeah, front. and it's a playoff. Like it's a more yeah. meaningful game. You know, like, so it's one of those, you know, USC gets Clemson, like, and, it, and, it, and it's in SoCal, you know, at a night game or the sun setting in the Rose Bowl or something. Like, it's one of those, like, that's why I think, you know, you should definitely be, like, for a 12-team playoff. And then, you know, of those four winners of, of, of those four games, they go on and they match up against, you know, Georgia and Michigan and TCU and Ohio State. And you can't tell me that's not fun because – You'll tell me you don't want a 12-team playoff, but then tell me bowl season doesn't matter anymore. So that, that, that those just don't go hand-in-hand. Hand. Bowl season doesn't matter anymore because those games don't mean nothing because the only t- thing that really means much except for these smaller schools is those four teams in the grand scheme of things. So now if I make it 12, forget bowl season for majority of those teams. You think Bama really – like, I know they came to make a statement, so I know they cared. Bryce Young played, Will Anderson played. I get it. They came to make a statement, so then the rest of the world could toot their horn – on Bama should have got in by blowing out Kansas State, but you can't tell me that that game meant anything in all honesty. Like, had Bama laid a dud, nobody would have cared. No. You could have been like, ah, ha, ha, but that's it. Like, nobody really would have cared. We'd be like, they didn't really care about that game, but they came to make a statement. The only thing those teams are playing for is a boost in the next preseason eight people. Like, that's the reality. Yeah, so, you know, all right, so enough of the national championship. We'll, we'll wrap up the season here real quick. All right, so... Going into next year, and I know you haven't put a whole bunch of thought in there. I'm putting you on the spot. Top five teams going into next year. Uh, Georgia. Uh, let's see. I already told you. Uh, I'll go ahead and say it here. I've already told you. Uh, I've already told you that Penn State's making the playoff next year. So Georgia, Penn State. A lot of it's hard to hard to. It's really hard to tell because. With Michigan, it's de- so dependent on Jim Harbaugh coming back that it's really impossible to say kind of where they sit. But if Harbaugh is back, then I think that they're in that top tw- top five. Um, so that's three. I, I'm putting LSU in that top five. I think with Jaden Daniels back, there's a lot of pieces back there. I know they lose. They now do lose Boutte, um, but. 
I think they're in that top five. That's four. And then I think Ohio State's in there. Like, there's not really, like, I think next year, like, I know a lot of people will do the Florida State thing just because they left a last impression that was so, like, you know, wowed. And I think USC is kind of right outside there around six or whatever. But as long as Alex Grinch is there and as long as they don't play defense, I'm going to have doubts. And, you know, Cam Rising's back at Utah, and, like, I don't know how USC beats Utah next year. Just yeah, because, so run me your one through three. You know I had technical difficulties. Run me your one through three. Yeah, again. so I didn't, so I didn't list them, like, in any particular order. Okay. But I, I said – so I went Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and then I already told you Penn State's making the playoff next year. So I had them in the top five, and then I had LSU in there. So I had – So no – Bama's I not. I've got to know who's playing quarterback. Like that's the biggest question there. Is like, and I know Ohio State. Yeah, but like with Ohio State, I know that I'm getting all world skill talent. Like with Alabama, like I know that they'll have good skill talent, but like it really hasn't been like that out there at wide receiver and at, and at running back. Like Jameer Gibbs had a great year, but like Jameer Gibbs wasn't like so good. Like he wasn't that groundbreaking Alabama running back where they could ride yeah. until the wheels fell off. Like you know, like a Derrick Henry or even Eddie Lacy in college. Like, um, I just – I've got to know more about that roster before I can put them in a top five. I think they're going to be really motivated, and so it probably looks like a fool's errand kind of leaving them out. Um, I, but, I mean, I'm not – they won't be bad. It's just I think that there's other teams right now, before I know anything else about the rosters, that I think are probably set to have a little bit better roster than them. And that's and like on Michigan, I said like I mean it's easy to drop Michigan out and put Alabama in if Harbaugh goes to the NFL, which is definitely a fifty-fifty like definitely could happen type of thing. Um, like that's so I mean like there's going to be changes to that kind of as we go. I think Clemson now with Garrett Riley, like that's one like with Clubnick and Garrett Riley paired at Clemson, like that like they may be back, mm-hmm. like maybe back next year. Um. But, but they're already, gonna, going into the season, they're going to have to prove it. Like, they're going to get a ranking like seven or eight. Like, you got to prove to us. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, they will. They'll have to win. Um, They'll definitely have to win. And the problem for Clemson, I think, is that the they will have an opportunity because Florida State's going to be so high in preseason rankings. And I am I get it, but I don't. Like, I get that Jordan Travis had a great year. Yeah, um, they've killed the transfer portal too, though. Yeah, they have. I just – they were – it's like a, I think I tweeted this the other day. They were like the fourth best team in the ACC this year. And going from fourth best team in arguably the worst Power 5 conference to ready to compete for a national title, I have a hard yeah, time believing. I have a, and I, I have a hard time believing that that program is doing that. And it's, this isn't a knock on Mike Norvell. If it was like Brian Kelly, Nick Saban, you know, Ryan Day, Jim Harbaugh, then I might be able to be like, okay, like I can see it he's going to have to show it to me. Like Norrell is going to have to show it to me, but you know, Clemson gets Notre Dame week three and you get a massive bonus for beating Notre Dame. So and then, for Notre Dame. Well, and then like, and yeah, and they're going to be good next year. Like, I mean, Sam Hartman's at Notre Dame now. So like, yeah, but that sucks for Notre Dame, bro. That's back to back. You got Clemson and Ohio state back to back. Oh year. yeah. But I mean, it's not, it's not great for Clemson either because they have to play Notre Dame and then they have to turn around and go, uh, They'll have to turn around and play like two conference games, and then they'll have to turn around immediately after that, like and play um, Florida State probably. And they've got like a road game against South Carolina next year, where like Rattler's going to be back, and like Beamer's really got like that place is buzzing. I mean, South Carolina came to Clemson and beat them this year, so mm-hmm. like, you know 
it's not an easy like it's not going to be as easy of a schedule as I thought it was going to be for Clemson. Um, they haven't officially announced their ACC schedule yet. I think probably just with expansion stuff, like they're kind of just waiting as long as they can. Um, but I mean, you've got road trips to NC State. Knock on wood, but they also have to go to Miami. Not, not like stumping for Miami here, but like you can only have so much talent and be five and seven for so long. Like at some point. Yeah. At some point, they're going to at least be so talented that they give some of those teams a problem. Yeah. Um, so it's like those types of games where they're tricky and like that road trip to South Carolina on Thanksgiving, and then you have an ACC title game potentially. Um, so, I mean, it's not an, e- it's not an easy schedule. Um, they'll get that early opportunity to, to prove it. And, well, again, Notre Dame's the same way. I mean, if you somehow come out of that Ohio State-Clemson stretch at one and one, I mean, you're, I mean, you're kind of playoff hunting at that point, because then it's like just beat the rest of the teams on your schedule. And Ellen, you know, Notre Dame will play USC next year too. Um, I'm just telling you, like this whole thing about Notre Dame doesn't play anybody. I don't want to hear that shit anymore. I don't want to hear that. You you can't say that next year though. You definitely can't say that next year where you got Clemson and Ohio State back-to-back and you got USC. They don't got Michigan next year, do they? Uh, I'm about to tell you. Nah, because that rivalry's kind of been out the window now. They got, so they, they have Navy. Tennessee State, um, Central Michigan. Then they play. They don't have. They've got. Uh, they don't play. Um, they don't play Clemson, Ohio State back to back. I had that date wrong. Um, so they've got Navy, Tennessee State, Central Michigan, Ohio State, USC, Wake Forest, at Clemson, at Stanford, at Duke, who won nine games this year. So they got Ohio State and USC back to back. No, there's a big gap in time there. I think that they're still kind of – I think oh, because all these games against ACC opponents, they haven't announced the dates yet. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, like, a lot of this stuff's still TBA. Okay. Um, But, yeah, Ohio State, USC, Wake, at Clemson, at Stanford, at Duke, who won nine games this year, at Louisville, and who's got Jeff Brom. Like, that'll be a big game for Brom in year one. And then you have to go to NC State, and then you also play Pitt. Like – there's no like there's like maybe two games on there where you just go in and you're like, all right, that's a W. Their first three, three games should be they should go first, in the first three games. Because you should also go beat Stanford. Like they fired David Shaw. It's a complete restart. Like that's Yeah, but I'm saying should. they play Ohio State the fourth week of the season. Right. But I'm just saying, like, even like if you're going preseason and it's you're trying to make a record prediction. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're fourth. only you're only writing down four W's before you have to start thinking about stuff. Mm-hmm. Like before you're like, yeah, like at Pitt at home, they definitely should beat Pitt, but it's not one where you're just automatically like, okay, that's a W. Like, and mm-hmm. so as an independent, like that's a brutal schedule because usually for Notre Dame, there's about seven of those games. And then about three other ones, you're like, okay, they should win. They should win. It's not automatic, but they should win. And then you've got two just massive games, whether or not they, whether they win or lose like this year is different. Like, because even Wake Forest, like, I mean, they're not going to be bad. They're never bad. Like, Wake Forest is never bad. Like, they had, they had, you know, it was Jamie Newman, and then it was Sam Hartman, and I'm sure it'll be someone else after this. Like, like they're never bad. They're going to be challenged. Anything, they're not going to be fired up knowing Notre Dame tampered with their roster and pulled their quarterback off the roster? You think they're not going to want to prove a point when Notre Dame comes to town? Yeah. Like, no, that place is going to be rocking. Like, I mean, I'm just telling you, like, I like. I think Notre Dame is going to be really good next year, but Notre Dame could be the really, really good team that goes eight and four. 
Yeah, and I could see that happening uh second year. So my top five, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go my top five, no order, except Georgia one. That's that's Georgia goes in as the number one team in the country. They kind of have to. Uh I'm going Bama, Ohio State, Michigan, LSU. I think Penn State sits at around six. Like I think Penn State, USC, and um Florida State are at that six, seven, and eight. Um, yeah, I have a, I'm just telling you, like the Penn State wagon, like that's one I'm hitching myself to early. Like I still think they come in at that six, seven, or eight. And something to think about. First game of, now, here's where the rankings, here's where I think the top five is gonna be. I could see Florida State. I, I think it'll be like Georgia, Michigan, Ohio hey, State. They played they played Ohio State and in, in uh I knew they played them in Happy Valley. They have to go to Columbus next year. Oh, okay. I thought it was that's weird. I thought it was at Ohio State. No, they they get Michigan. At, yeah, I knew they did. I knew it was like this. They get Michigan at home one year and Ohio State the next year. Okay, so I, I don't know why because I was like, why isn't it at night? But night with the whiteout, not night with the blackout. That's right. Okay, so I think Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State are probably top three. Here's and here's maybe Bama and Ohio State's ahead of Michigan or whatever. Or Michigan maybe here's where I think four or five could play a factor. I think. A lot of people will sip the Florida State Kool-Aid. And you, and I think LSU is the top five team going into the season. I can see them being four and five. They play week one. Yeah, that's going to be. Get them out of there right away. Yeah, and I, I really think, too, after how last year ended, think that I think that has the potential to be like. Yeah, and if you're sipping. That the, has the potential to be LSU statement game. We're going to let you know that last year was a fluke and just absolutely drill your ass in week one. Yeah, and if you sip the Florida State Kool-Aid, I could see a reason why. Because, you know, they also like to build up matchups, especially going into the preseason where they're going to play week one. I could put Florida State four, LSU five. I could put, hell, I could put Florida State four, or LSU four, Florida State five, Ohio State six. And, yes, the Ohio State fans are going to go crazy, but I think – once we know who our quarterback is, that'll determine a lot. I know we got a lot of talent. I know we got a solid recruiting class, but but at the same time, you could put Ohio State six, knowing in week two, as long as they go to Indiana and win, knowing week two, they're going to be in the top five for the simple fact the top we're selling this top five hey, matchup week one. Let me give you so I'm going to give you Penn State schedule real quick, and this is a lot of the reason I'm high on them. Week one, you've got West Virginia at home in Happy Valley. That's a W. Mm-hmm. You got Delaware at home, your FCS opponent. That's a W. Week three maybe gets a little tricky. You go to Illinois. They were good last year. You're going to be infinitely more talented than them. You've had two weeks to figure the quarterback thing out. You're going to be favored to win. We'll say it should be. It's not an automatic W, but they should win. Iowa at home. You beat uh, Iowa at home. Yeah. You go to Northwestern. That's a W. You yeah. have UMass at home. That's a W. You go to Columbus, you're probably losing, but they're going to be like, there's a chance you're in that game at least. They're going to be in that game. Ohio State and Penn State always play each other close. Yeah. And like, but Ohio State will be favored. So for the sake of the fact, like being realistic here, we'll call that a loss. Okay. Indiana at home, they suck. You're going to win. Maryland on the road gets a little tricky, but it's late in the season. You're probably rolling at that. You're rolling right now. Yeah. Yeah. So they'll, I think they probably go in there and get a win. Then November 11th is when Michigan comes to town. That's going to probably be like one of those point spreads that's tight. Penn State's probably a slight favorite at that point. Michigan's got a lot of dudes back, and they're going to be a problem. But, I mean, if Michigan has a new coach, potentially, like, I mean, and right now I'd say, like, we're more likely than not looking at that. Like, 
I mean, like, that's a game you easily can win. So we'll call that a toss-up. Like, we'll just won't even call it. We'll call it a toss-up. Then you get Rutgers at home in Happy Valley. That's a win. And then Michigan State on the road. You're going to be more talented. You're going to be favored. It's a tough spot to close the year. But, you know, you should win that game. And so, I mean, you're looking at 10-1 and with a toss-up game against Michigan. And then... I mean, and I like, I mean, I would pick them today to beat Michigan and like that's 11 and one. And I don't know if that puts them in, I guess. Well, I mean, it would depend on what Ohio state did. Ohio state would have to go 10 and two, but like, that's one of those almost Ohio state of this year situations. They go 11 and one, don't make their conference title game and they get in the playoff. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, that, and that could be the way they sneak in. You could, that, that is could be you in like in that same way. And I know people don't love him, but he's a really good coach. Like he's a good coach. Like he's a really high quality coach. James Who James Franklin? Franklin? Yeah, James yeah, Franklin. yeah. Like I know people don't love him, and they think he's capped out, and he's kind of the same old dude every year. Um, but you know they're not. That team really hasn't been highly susceptible to upsets. Like, that's and they why got to do that quarterback. Yeah, don't Drew Aller, uh, Drew Aller is supposed to play quarterback there next year, I think. Um, yeah, he was a freshman this year, and it, obviously you just you didn't want him. He was a freshman this year, right? Yeah, it was. And highly, yeah. like, super highly touted freshman. Um, yeah, wasn't he a five-star, borderline five-star? He was one of those, like, that kind of sat in that four or five range. Depending yeah, he on was the highest team. quarterback recruit they ever got. Yeah, and so you're sitting there with a highly talented – like, I mean, it's just one of those things, I think, where um, they're not super susceptible to upsets because they are physical and they play – they typically have a really good defense, and um, that's the type of stuff that travels. And so – I, I just I'm telling you, like I'm I'm on the Penn State wagon. I'm hitched to the Penn State wagon for next year. Um, you know, we won't have odds until like August, but like I'd imagine I'm gonna be able to get them north of ten to one to win the Big Ten because Michigan and Ohio State will be favored over them. So like mm-hmm. I'll probably like I'm just I'm telling people now, like you can get Penn State twenty five to one right now to win the national title. Don't hate it. I don't hate it. I don't think that they're going to win the national title per se, but I think that they're good enough to get in the playoff and win a game for mm-hmm. sure. Like definitely. Yeah. So, you know, I know it's about that time to wrap it up, bro. So obviously as always, I love doing Phil stormers with you. Um, I appreciate everybody for tuning in. Well, we appreciate everybody for tuning in, listening, went on our little rants, was able to sneak preview who we think our top five teams are. Um, it's the off season. So me and Walker are going to start cooking some things up. Uh, possibly could go next week. I don't want to guarantee it only because we're about to start cooking some plans up. We've already been kind of in the works of how we're going to handle talking college football in the off season. Um, going to get some players lined up to be able to talk to them um, and stuff like that. Cook some things up with the blue bloods as well over in this off season, but we got a long eight months to give you a lot of content and we're trying to give you enjoyable content. So may sit out next week. Can't guarantee it. Uh, maybe some news happens that we just have to cover and talk about it. I feel like um, we're just sitting and waiting on the Harbaugh news at this point, like one way or the other. Yeah, so I appreciate everybody. We appreciate everybody for tuning in, listening, and we will catch you within the next two weeks. So be sure to t- be tuned in for that announcement of when we will be going again. And on that note, Phil Stormers, we are out.